You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Like to have a manager by the start of spring training? Oh, I hope so. Eh, whenever spring training rolls around, we'd like to have a manager. But what, are you going to put the MacBook in the dugout? Eh, it has a program on there. I can run it. Eh, we'll just hang out. By the All-Star break. We'll get somebody in there by the All-Star break. Hey, off and running on this Saturday, January 18th. The snow is on its way. It feels like it. Doesn't it feel like it outside? You've been outside this morning. It just kind of feels like snow. It's coming, people, whether you want it or not. But good morning. Welcome in. With you for the next couple of hours. And can we get everything in that has happened since the last time we talked on a Saturday morning? In the next two hours, can we get take all of it and cram it in? I'm not. Gonna, I'll tell you right now. I'm not going to make any promises. I'm not going to make any promises I can't keep. But of course, the number you know one eight hundred nine one nine ESPN. I am on Twitter at Gordon Damer. Probably you would have to say wildest week in Major League Baseball in some time, and not just wildest week of the off season in some time. Wildest week in Major League Baseball in some time. From the cheating scandal, you finally get the punishment handed down by Major League Baseball to the Astros, to the Red Sox, the Mets, getting involved there at two. Now three teams looking for managers to Thursday when Beltron's announcement comes down. Where you start with talk about the Astros maybe wearing devices on them as an advancement of their previous scheme of banging on a garbage can. Then the Twitter involvement, uh, Gary Sheffield's son. Carlos Beltran's Fugizi niece, obviously not his niece, Scott Brocious's son. Weird, wild, and certainly unpredictable. And what you first realize, really, because while this is all going on, you're, you're keeping up with this thing, when you're keeping up with that thing, but when you really get back to where it kind of started, it's probably just as well for Major League Baseball that the story kept developing, even in the strange ways that it did, Because the longer you sit with what Major League Baseball actually did here or didn't do, you're kind of left scratching your head. So we'll get into that. We have to touch on LSU's performance from back on Monday night. Doesn't it feel like that game took place a lot longer ago than Monday? It feels like that game took place like three weeks ago. But LSU going out and winning the national championship, Joe Burrow's performance, he was everywhere. Heisman Trophy winner, national champ, touchdown record, going to be the number one pick. Is LSU the best team of all time? And as as all over the place as Joe Burrow was, I think you'd have to say Odell Beckham Jr. was all over the place even more. If someone came out and told me right now Odell's performance at the national championship game was actually filmed for some sort of prank show, like a modern punk or a candid camera. I would believe it because it seems like every day you're getting more snippets of video from him running around the Superdome like, I don't know what, a maniac. Dear Lord. You have Kyrie Irving really putting those Dale Carnegie courses to good work, <laughs> making friends and influencing people. Yes, also, there's been an update to that Carl- Dale Carnegie book. It's How to Win Friends influence people, and argue with people on Twitter. They've, they've, they've come up with a new edition. Kyrie is going to write the forward. 
The Giants, as you heard in the update there, they've lasted, uh, landed Jason Garrett to be their offensive coordinator. So big move there. A new uh, net picks and chill pick for this week. So we'll get to that. And oh, yeah, by the way, what else is going on this week? Oh, right. There's the conference championship games in the NFL. Chiefs and Titans, Packers and Niners, otherwise known as anyone but Tennessee. <laughs> anyone so we don't have to be sitting here in a couple of weeks watching the Super Bowl and not having to uh, see the Tennessee Titans. And lost in last week, the collapse of the Texans on all the outrage. Zero gratitude. Nobody shows any gratitude. Gratitude to the Chiefs for coming back and really gratitude to the Texans for just completely falling apart. Could you think about how ex- think about how excited you are for the football games tomorrow? Who's going to advance to the Super Bowl? And now, for a second, think back and imagine if the AFC title game tomorrow was going to be Texans-Titans. I don't know how to measure an excitement level per se, but I'm saying I know my excitement level would have dropped pretty precipitously if it had turned out to be Texans-Titans tomorrow on my TV for a spot in the Super Bowl. What are we doing? So if it's Chiefs-Packers, if it's Chiefs-Niners, cool. If it's Titans and really anyone, (laughs) I would say just simply let's play the NFC game again in uh, two weeks. But let's start with the baseball because considering how much has changed in a week, and it feels like, oh my goodness, there's always new developments, and who knows where we'll be by next week. By this week, by next week at this time, who knows what new things will pop up. It really could go in any direction. But Monday it starts, right? Major League Baseball finally hands down the punishment for the Astros. And what did I, what have I said the entire time? Since the story first broke, first, uh, since, uh, John Boy has released all the videos and, and, and put up the video and you saw not just what the story was, but actually saw video evidence of what it actually because I think that did change it. Because when you first heard that the Astros might have been doing this until you saw the video and heard the banging, I think it was kind of hard to really put it in context. But then once you did, you're like, wow, that's that's really bad. It's really bad. But what did I say since the moment that story first popped up? That whenever the punishment came down, it was going to be disappointing. Like the the punishment was not going to fit the crime, clearly. Mainly because the crime is, is really bad. It impacted a season and almost certainly impacted who won the World Series that year. And so when the announcement comes down on Monday, by any standards, you would have to say the punishment was pretty light. One-year suspensions for the GM and the, the manager, along with a fine and losing some draft picks. That, I'm sorry, is a slap on the wrist. Now, it changed because the Astros came down and punished the Astros, and then the next day, the Red Sox punished the Red Sox. But you keep hearing, wow, Major League Baseball really hammered the Astros Major League Baseball's hammered the Red Sox. No, the Astros hammered the Astros to make themselves look good, I think. Make no mistake, even while I'm not going to give baseball credit for hammering anybody, the teams only hammered themselves because it was in their best interest to do that. 
Major League Baseball did not hammer the Astros. And Major League Baseball has not done anything to the Red Sox as of yet. Now, they might eventually, and the Red Sox might be in worse shape because their road to being a good team right now is not as strong as the Astros' road to being a good team this year. And if you start taking away draft picks from them, you know, the road to recovery and the road to rebuilding might get a little bit more difficult. But no player suspended, no players disciplined. You lose the manager and A.J. Hinch, you lose the uh, GM and Jeff Luno. Well, Gordon, what did you want? Well, at least for Luno and in Hinch, considering the crime, I'm sorry. I don't know how you can make the argument that they should ever work in the sport again if you are going to say what they did was really, really bad. And I'm of the belief that was really, really bad. That's a level of cheating that Major League Baseball came out and said that year, that week, don't do this. And the Astros just kept on keeping on. And you might say, well, Gordon, you can't keep guys from working. You can't keep them out forever. Why? 2017, the Braves GN, John Coppolella, was fired and banned for life. And his crime was breaking the rules on signing international players. Is that bad? Sure. But it's not exactly directly impacting an entire season, including who is going to win a World Series. But hey, what do I know? So the Astros make their move on Monday. Tuesday was the Red Sox, Alex, Alex Corrigan. And we don't know how long he will be gone for because Major League Baseball's investigation at the Red Sox continues. But then, of course, all eyes turn to the Mets. Now, this was uh, this was Tuesday the Red Sox do it. And maybe somebody should have alerted the Mets on Tuesday as well because they waited until Thursday to finally announce that, yes, Carlos Beltran has stepped down, mainly because he was pushed. <laughs> you can use whatever term you want saying that he decided to step away. It was him being pushed away that was the reason why that came down. Beltran was fired. He wanted to stay. He tried to stay. He, I'm sure, worked whatever angle he could to stay. And the team said no. And then he said, well, I'm stepping down. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, you are. And I know it's easy to say but it needs to be said, only the Mets, only the Mets can walk their way into a scandal that had, up until that point, zero to do with them. Zero. And not just like a routine scandal, like maybe the biggest scandal in like a hundred years in the sport. They are like sports version of Forrest Gump. If Forrest Gump kept obliviously walking into situations where he stepped on a rake. It's a, it's amazing. If you went on a game show and the question was, which team inadvertently would walk into a huge scandal that had nothing to do with them and then would be forced to fire their manager even before he had managed a game? If it was who wants to be a millionaire and they put the four answers up on the board, you would not need to phone a friend. You would not need to go a 50-50 and you certainly would not need to poll the audience. Even Brad on the Jeopardy Tournament of Champions would be able to ring in with that one. That woman from Family Feud who uh, thought uh, Popeye's favorite food was chicken. She would even be able to get that one. Have you seen that clip? It's very funny. 
All right, so I was of the belief this week that the Mets did not need to fire Beltran. I thought that the organization, there was a roadmap to be able to handle this. I felt that way right up until Thursday when the Mets came out and started talking. <laughs> and then I realized, what is wrong with you, Damer, you stupid idiot? What are you thinking? Because there might be an organization who could have done that. The Mets are not that organization. Among the gems that you got during the conference call, Brody saying that he had never asked Beltron any part of this during the interview process, which justifies common sense, right? Like there's two ways Brody could go into that press conference, either being either lying or saying that he was just ignorant. And he's saying that he was just ignorant, but I think he's lying. How that could not have possibly come up at some point, because again, Part of the reason why Carlos Beltran became this hot name in coaching circles, yes, because of his Hall of Fame career, because of the fact that he relates well with players, all those things, but also because of his inside, his reputation of having this, this knack, this savviness of being able to figure out which pitches are tipping pitches, breaking down signs. And then you had Jeff Wilpon coming out and saying, well, we knew he wasn't going to be suspended. But once we saw the report and and saw how prominent his name was, we felt we had no choice. Well, then, first off, he was mentioned once. His name literally showed up in the nine pages once. And then the, the only thing I would say, okay, fine, if you feel like that once is enough to make your decision for you, well, then what have you been doing since Monday? The report comes out Monday. The Astros make their moves Monday. That's Monday. That's Tuesday. That's Wednesday. That's Thursday. Now, I thought, okay, well, if they are going to get rid of him, they've been spending that time kind of lining up what plan B is, right? Like, once you know that Beltron is involved in this scandal in some way, even if you don't know how much he's involved, even if you haven't asked him, I think at that point, any person in command anywhere, any job, you always kind of have to have in your mind, all right, if this goes sideways, what am I going to do? And it seemed like the Mets did not start to even think about plan B until Thursday. And what I w- I've actually been optimistic about what the Mets' chances were this year because I thought to myself, well, the one thing they have going for them is that their GM this offseason can't possibly have an offseason as bad as last offseason, right? Can't possibly make a trade worse than the Cano-Diaz deal. Can't possibly make a worse signing than bringing back Jay Reese Familia. Can't possibly get less out of a move than signing Jed Lowry. Can't possibly sound any dumber than saying, hey, division, come and get us. Well, so much for that. Because the Mets job, even after all this has happened, should be a desirable job, right? Mets are a win-now team with win-now ability. They have some good young talent. The pitching's in place. But considering the presence of the GM, I do think that they could they could benefit from an experienced manager, mainly, mostly because that person maybe could keep them away from the decisions of the GM. But the Mets clearly displayed it again this week. Part of their problem is that their decision makers, they want to be like all the other teams, that, that the process is collaborative. The problem is, is the people that they are 
that they would have to be collaborative with don't know what they're doing. So sorry, people, if you're a Met fan who's hoping for Buck Showalter, I'll tell you right now, Jerry Seinfeld has a better chance of managing the Mets this year than Buck Showalter. The name Dusty Baker is apparently he's going to get an interview. But you know who it's going to be. It's only either going to be Hensley Mullins, the bench coach, or it's going to be Rojas. Which, under maybe other circumstances, I would be okay with. But the problem for those two guys, Rojas and Mullins, is that they have a lit less, or maybe even no chance, of being able to tell Brody no. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So, of course, the, the whole story did not end there, right? That would be one thing. That would be a jam-packed week for Major League Baseball if it ended there. But we got to get into the Astros. Uh, I don't know how you would even describe it, the, uh, the development of their cheating scandal. It wasn't just that it ended right with the garbage can. You have Gary Sheffield's son coming out, blowing up people. Scott Brocious's kid. We got to get into the NFL with everything going on there. So lots of stuff to do. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. And we've been talking about the Astros and the Mets and the Red Sox and the whole cheating scandal. And I feel like this, describing it as a sign-stealing scandal is uh, it's too many words. It's a cheating scandal. They're cheating. That's what they're doing. It's not so much – I know it's more specific to say sign-stealing scandal, but it's cheating. That's what it is. And my main takeaway, which it was going to be almost certainly anyway, was that the punishment for the Astros, and that's where it has to center, was way too lax. It was way too easy. It was way too light. Yeah, it's great. Okay, yeah, you hit the GM, you hit the, the, the manager, and they're gone. And because of the Astros, they're gone for good, as opposed to coming back in a year from now and trying to explain how all of a sudden a year later you're going to come back in. Oh, they're, they're, they learned their lesson. They won't do that again. Uh, I don't know. I feel like once you do that once, you're probably going to do it again. So it's nice that the Astros came out. And it wasn't because they were trying to do the right thing. It was because they wanted to make themselves look good. Jim Crane, who got off basically scot-free himself, Almost as scot-free as the players. I mean, really, when you sit and think about it, the longer you think about what the punishment actually was for what the crime was, Major League Baseball, I, I really feel like, kind of dropped the ball. And you do have to kind of wonder. There's a great article up on ESPN.com by uh, June Lee about how social media impacted the Astros story and really focusing, obviously, on John Boy, Jimmy O'Brien, who uh, went back and looked at the videos and all that type of stuff. If not for, for social media, it really feels like this probably would have been swept under the rug, mainly because it makes Major League Baseball look terrible. Now, does anybody really believe Major League Baseball's focus is, you know what, we got to get to the bottom of this, we got to put this to bed, or is it just simply, hey, let's do enough here so it makes everybody kind of move on, people. Nothing to see here. And for anybody who's going to tell me, oh, the Astros, come on, Gordon, the Astros have been destroyed. And that really feels like how people think, oh, the Astros, they're not going to be a factor anymore. If they go out and say, let's just get a name, Buck Showalter. Buck Showalter goes in there and becomes the manager this year. I'm sure there's some adjustments that need to be made, right? His style as opposed to the, the style that the Astros have used previously. But if you go out there and get an experienced manager, I don't think that there's going to be that much drop-off at all. And you know how you know that it wasn't that 
that, that tough of a punishment? Ty Butler brought up a great point to me before the show. The odds, the World Series odds have not changed one bit. Astros, uh, they were the second most popular team before the, the, the punishment came down. Still the second most popular team betting-wise. So it's not like all of a sudden, oh my goodness, the uh, the Astros' chances, they've just been decimated. And the, the American League now is just wide open. In fact, I think maybe the Red Sox, if you wanted to make that point, I think that would be stronger. Mainly it comes because of where the Red Sox kind of are right now in terms of being able to compete and now losing their manager, it might kind of spur them to say, you know what, maybe we've got to start the, the rebuild maybe a little earlier than later. But no, the, the punishment for the Astros was not uh, all that much. And now you get into the story about the Astros maybe wearing devices. Major League Baseball said that they found no evidence. I, I wonder if it's because nobody wanted to find any evidence. I'm not usually big into conspiracy theories, but I completely think that that makes sense. That comp- I mean, doesn't that make sense in your mind? This organization. What doesn't make sense is really what we already know what happened. That this smart organization who has all these smart people, they devise this system of, of cheating where there's a camera and a relay and a dugout. And, and then the, the way they're going to allow that si- that signal to get to the players is banging on a trash can. That's more unbelievable than they were wearing devices under their jersey that would buzz and tell them what pitch was coming. And you've seen, I'm sure by now, the videos that have gotten out there, and they're not a smoking gun per se. But what we already know, and what we know about the Astros, it would just kind of... Cheaters don't stop cheating until they get caught and get punished. And the Astros, up until Monday, had not gotten caught at all. And their system was effective. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go out to the phones this morning. We'll go out to uh, Steve in Whitehall. Steve, what's going on, my man? Yo, what's up, man? How are you guys? I'm good. good morning. Good morning. How's everything? I'm good. How are you? Nice. Okay. I'm good, man. I'm good. So uh, right off of the bat, I'm a huge Astros fan. Okay. You know, it's, uh, I've, I've been to opening day out in Houston a whole stack of times. Uh, I love the team. I think the way that they brought a uh, farm team into um, into a World Series is pretty amazing. Cheating, though, obviously, you can't cheat. Man. You know, you can't cheat whether it's baseball or football or Tom Brady or Jose Altuve. You just can't cheat, you know. Um, it's, it's not fair to the sport. It's not fair to the, uh, to the people playing the game or watching. Um, the Astros did take a little bit of a beating. I feel like, you know, $5 million, okay, you know, like that's any stadium, any stadium makes that on a day. But uh, losing losing the draft picks, I mean, that's going to create a pothole for two years now for them to lose. I think it was two first-round picks this uh, year coming and next year, right? Yeah, first and second, first this year and next year. I mean, look, maybe. I mean, you're probably talking at best three years down the road. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, you know, I'm sorry. For what the crime was, that is not getting hammered. And for Major League Baseball to come out and say, well, it was a player-devised scheme, and for no players to be punished at all, I mean, the longer you, the longer you sit with what the results were of the investigation, what Major League Baseball found, and what Major League Baseball did, it kind of doesn't, it kind of makes you scratch in your head. You're kind of thinking to yourself, well, if it's a player-devised scheme, then why you allowed all the players to get away with it because you gave them immunity. Then their approach to this, and maybe they wouldn't have gotten 
truthful answers from the players, and you would have gotten pushback certainly from the union. But sometimes don't you have to don't you have to go about what the actual right way of doing it is? It's not just about the easiest way to do it. It's about actually getting the right answer. And for all the people, and I heard this a ton this week. Well, you know, at the end of the day, Gordon, it's just entertainment. It's just entertainment. You don't want to you don't want to lose your stars of the game because they're your money makers. Those are the stars, right? You're not going to lose uh, the big marquee attraction if you're releasing a movie or it's not the same thing. It is entertainment, but it's, it's entertaining because it's a competition. You want to see which side is better. It's not a movie opening. It's not a TV show. You're not rooting for something specific to happen in movies or TV shows. You want to see which side is better. It's a competition. It's not just entertainment. Let's go out to, well, let's see here. Bill is in Queens. Bill. Good morning, Gordon. Thank you for taking my call. What's up? Uh, keep, keeping in mind that Pete Rose, and obviously you know this, was banned for life for gambling. Yep. And you look at these laws with these daily fantasy sports, and as, as they're written, I don't have them for word for word, but it says, oh, it's a game of chance, so that makes it legal. If these guys had knew the signs, knew what pitch was coming, then it takes away from the, the – it's no longer a game of chance because – they have information that can change their professionals. They know what to do if it's a fastball, if it's a curveball, change your hands, change your feet. I, I just think that Major League Baseball really, really is going to feel this for years to come by not uh, addressing the player issue. Like, you had these guys, and it's not one or two guys. It's a significant amount of guys, and not one of them was punished. Yeah, I where, mean, where it, I mean, maybe, maybe what will end up happening now is that organizations will – not be so lax in terms of really putting their foot down because it, it seems like from the investigation, A.J. Hinch, maybe not in words per se, but in actions, you know, smashing the cameras and and telling his players, you know, the, the, that he was not happy with it or not in favor of it, I, I guess. But I just look at what's on the line, what's to be gained by gaining any advantage, fair or unfair, and what the punishment now has turned out to be, which for the players is nothing, I think you're just going to have more players say to themselves, well, wh- if I can skirt the rules, so be it. I mean, what's going to happen to me? Because already Major League, you might say, well, they've got, they're going to learn as a result of this. Well, wh- what did they learn? No, pu- no players were punished. Yeah, but next time. Well, this was the next time for the, for, for the teams. And the Red Sox the first time got a slap in the wrist. And in terms of the Astros, all right, look, you lose A.J. Hinch, you lose uh, Jeff Luna, who was the, the, the architect of everything they did there, the, the, the organization of the future and, and really bringing analytics and allowing that to, to, to direct their, their actions maybe more so than any other organization in baseball history, and it certainly paid off. But in terms of the right now, yeah, maybe three years from now we're looking back at the Astros and they're they're back to being a, a you know a 500 team that is not competing for. And you'll say, well, the loss of the draft it all caught up to them, losing Luno and losing Hinch and losing the draft. But as we sit here right now, I got to be honest. Now that the, the the punishment phase is kind of over, it doesn't really feel like it it's going to impact them at all. Especially not if they go out there and get somebody who can manage the team this year because the team right now still pretty good team. Still pretty talented team. Now, now maybe some of the numbers see a little bit of a dip because nobody's going to be wearing this or that, but 
I, I don't even know that, uh, that they'll necessarily have that change. Who knows? 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, more of your phone calls. we got to get into the NFL. Giants hiring uh, Jason Garrett as their offensive coordinator. Do you like that move? And Odell, with his week, boy, he had a week in one day, didn't he? He had like a full week in just one day. Could you imagine hanging with that guy? That guy is exhausting. He had a wonderful time, apparently. People around him, maybe not so much. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Is it one of the biggest scandals in the history? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. Hey, this portion of the Gordon Damer Show is brought to you by the New Jersey Lottery Home is where the heart is. And with a $321 million Powerball jackpot, when home could look a lot different than it does right now with all those millions, a Cape May mansion could be yours. Well, I would hope so. $321 million. So take a chance on Powerball. Anything can happen in Jersey. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number, 1-800-919-3776. We've touched on the Mets and looking for a new manager and, and who that is going to be. I would say uh, if you are someone, I saw this a lot yesterday, well, just go out and hire Buck Showalter. <laughs> yeah. Again, with many of these jobs, what the fan base wants the organization to do is one thing. But you have to look at the names that you are mentioning and why would that person have interest in that organization? It's not so much you wanting him, it's him wanting you. And maybe there is one of the, like Dusty Baker seems like at the age of 70, maybe he feels like, you know what? It's not an ideal situation. It's going to be tough, but I'm probably not going to get another opportunity to manage anywhere else. So let me take, let me take this opportunity right now. Maybe that is true, but I would expect before too long, and with the Mets, maybe it's going to take a lot longer. If, if, if it's any indication that it took them till Thursday to get rid of Carlos Beltran when it seemed like that was the way that it was going to go on Monday, maybe finding the next manager, it's going to take a little while. And it's not like they have a, I think they play an actual regular season game, I think it's 67 days. So it's not, you don't have that long. All right, let's get back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. Let's go out to David in the car. David. David. Hey. How are you? I'm good, man. What's up? Look, last night I went, pulled up the Major League Baseball rule book, uh-huh. and I went through the entire rule book. An interesting Friday and night for you, David. You know what I mean? There were two martinis in. I was unable to find anything about signs. In the rule book. So I, I, I have changed my opinion of the situation. And it's not a player failure. I don't think it's a coach failure. I think it's the management of baseball's failure. Well, I don't know what version of the rule book you have, David, or when it was published, but Major League Baseball came out in 2017 and said – do not use any electronic devices to de- decipher signs or to relay signs. And they punished the Red Sox at that time with a ridiculous fine for their role in it back then. And even in the week when Major League Baseball put that out and made it clear, you are not allowed to do this, the Astros were doing just that. 
So I don't know when the rule book that you had, I don't know how many, how large the martinis you said you were having were, but no, the, for all the different angles on this story, there is no question what the Astros were caught doing was illegal. That is not really up for debate. Spike is in Jersey. Spike, my man. Hey, good morning, my friend. Hope you had a good uh, week. A couple of comments on it. Remember when Bonds got caught and he went to visiting parks? The how he was chastised and booed, you know, everything. But when he played at home, everybody was cheering him. Remember that? Yeah. yeah sure. Okay. So here's my conspiracy theory. It's just they've been cheating forever. They got caught. We know what this is. So Houston's on Sunday Night Baseball, uh, their national team. Uh, he'll be well-received. The team will be well-received, of course, at home. I don't have any doubts about that. But can you imagine some of the signs and some of the costumes that people are going to come in, you know, where the buzzers are located? I won't get graphic. But uh, I heard one theory that they, they put the buzzer in the uh, lower groin area because, you know, the guys are constantly resizing themselves or adjusting themselves. How would you ever know if that's the case? I just think they got caught. I think it's going to have severe repercussions. And I I disagree with you, which I really do, on bringing in Buck. I love Buck. I really love Buck. But I don't think he's going to do anything for this because they beat the system. The fine wasn't big enough. It it was too small. Well, I I don't even think – it could have been any fine. Like, paying a fine, for me, would be fine. Like, if it was my team, I would be like, well, what kind of punishment do you want? Can I have a fine? Rather than punish any of my players or punish my GM or punish my – can I just simply pay a fine, sign a check, and away with away, away I go? So the fine, to me, even putting it in there, and I said this beforehand, I don't care about a fine. Don't include a fine. Do other things that will impact the team for what they've done and to show to other clubs, hey, don't even think about going down this road. I don't think that what actually came up with uh, is actually going to do that. I think what you have to do to make sure that there's no more of this is you have you ever see like a crime drama or not a crime drama not a not a a, a a fictional show but almost like a news show right and they have to keep the person's identity secret so they blur their face they got to do that with the 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 signals from the catcher they got to put like when the catcher puts his fingers down they got to put up like the the blue circle or the pixelated little thing there and with Major League Baseball, get creative. Maybe you sell a little advertising, right? Maybe you can superimpose a Gatorade sign. I don't know. They got smart people at baseball. They can figure it out. Let's go out to Lewis and Whippany. Lewis. Hey, how you doing, Gordon? I'm good. Hey, listen, just like uh, just like the previous caller, I, re- I rarely call in to uh, disagree with you. What are you talking about? I'm you call in to disagree with me every single day of the week. No, I don't. <laughs> what are you talking about? No, I don't. <laughs> Every day this week, yesterday. you call the Monday, the Monday through Friday. You call and say, "Well, you're wrong about this. You're wrong about that. You're a fraud. I hate you." Hey, what are you talking about? No, I'm not I don't that hate sleepy you. You know, show. I, no, <laughs> come here, Carly. Listen, I do rarely call in to disagree. Most of the time, I praise that you're actually one of the only mind. people that, okay. you know, one of the people that actually says what's on their mind, and you don't kind of beat around the bush. Um, but <clears throat> talking about, you know, the people are saying that. It's just entertainment. Let it go. Listen, it stopped being just entertainment when people are putting up their houses, you know, to gamble. Well, you know, maybe pulling... they shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> no, no, but that, that's what I'm maybe, saying. Maybe that's, that's on the them. 
I know, but in, in general, like people are putting up money, you know, money that actually uh, <clears throat> can completely change their lives. You know, people are losing, you know, millions of dollars just on the fact that these players are actually cheating the game. But listen, the real reason I want to call is because why, why do you hate the Titans so much, man? What, why why do so I hate the Titans? I, I don't want to watch. Look, if I gave you the four teams that are involved in that are left in the NFL playoffs, and I said you can watch Patrick Mahomes and his laser gun of an arm and their offense scoring points left and right, you could have Aaron Rodgers and the beautiful throws that he had, like the one he had to Devontae Parker last week, that kind of sealed the win. You can have the 49ers and their smash-mouth defense. Or you can have Derrick Henry running through the line 30 times. It comes back to, it's all about me. So Super Bowl Sunday, I'm not really rooting for anybody but me. So how do I root for me on Super Bowl Sunday? Well, I have a Super Bowl box. And it's usually, knowing my luck, going to be a Super Bowl box that's like 2-5. and five. So I'm going to need a lot of scores to be able to get that 2-5. and five. So that's why I'm not rooting for the Titans. I don't want a Super Bowl like last year that bored me out of my skull because I had no chance of getting my Super Bowl box anywhere close, even in the vicinity of being interesting. So I am rooting for me. Simple as that. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. I'm honest. I, I like to involve myself with the old fan duel, pop on the app, bet the games. I bet with my head. I don't bet over my head. But every time I'll hear people say this, and it's a lot of people, well, you know, Gordon, a lot of people are going to be getting themselves into trouble now with the access to the gambling. And I'm sure that is true, right? If more people are doing it, I don't know necessarily that the percentages change, but there will be more people. If more people are betting, more people will probably do something that impacts them negatively. I don't know if they're going to lose their house betting on FanDuel, but... At some point, and maybe this is just this is just tough love. Weren't those people going to get themselves in trouble anyway? Like, it, you're telling me that those people would have been fine if there wasn't an app. Like, if they went to a guy, if they had a guy, they wouldn't have bet at all. It just it was so easy for them because it was on their phone. Weren't those people probably going to get themselves in trouble anyway? It's not like gambling just popped up in the last year or two. The, the, the access, if you want it, has been there. And I would think that the fact that it is something where you're paying as you go, the chances of you getting into trouble are less than betting with money you don't have. Like you have to put your money into your account before you can bet with the, the, the apps and the, the online stuff. Whereas I think where the trouble comes in other areas – is betting with money you don't have, betting you know over your head before, without uh, using your head. All right, one eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the phone number one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Let's go out to was uh, it Michael's in the Bronx? Michael, hey, how's it going, bud? I'm good, man. What's up? Uh, question for you: How come the Mets aren't looking at Eduardo Perez since he was runner up in when they did their original managerial search? I don't know that they're not. I'm assuming that, you know, the fact that they just let go of uh, of Beltron the other day, I'm sure they are going to circle back. And, and maybe the people that are within the organization have a leg up because they're there and they've been doing the work. That's what I kind of thought uh, before they had that press conference on Thursday, that if you get rid of Beltron, the person that probably I would go with would have been Hensley Muland. You brought him in to be the bench coach. He's got some experience. He's been working 
you would assume, within the organization since he's gotten the job. Uh, I know that um, Luis Rojas is another popular name that he knows the players. So I don't know necessarily that they're not going back to look at Eduardo Perez. I would just say that I, I can understand the reason why fans want somebody with experience to come in. And I think one of the big reasons why is because maybe they can convince the front office not to do the things the front office is doing, right? Like if you get somebody who's managing for the first time, like an Eduardo Perez or like a Rojas or, or Mullins, their ability to tell the organization, no, that's a bad way to go, is probably, if not non-existent, it's probably pretty pretty small. Like if you brought in Dusty Baker – with his experience, I think he has a better chance of saying, no, that that's a bad way to go. I'm, I'm going to manage the team the way I want to manage the team. And that's probably one of the reasons why they're not going to get the job. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. One hour already in the books. We focused on the Astros and the Mets and all that good stuff. We're going to focus on the football, but... Big news. When you're doing a show like this, you come in with your mindset, okay, we're going to touch on this, we're going to touch on that, this is what happened this week. And we like this show not just to be looking forward to what's going to happen today or with the football tomorrow, but also a little bit of a look back on what happened since the last time we were talking on Saturday. But then sometimes, while you have commercial breaks or, or updates there at the top of the hour, you, you comb the wires just to make sure that no big news is breaking. And it turns out today there is a huge story. This is from the New York Post. Are you ready? Are you sitting down? If you're driving a car, safely move to the side of the road. I don't want any accidents attributed to me breaking this news to you. Are you ready? Can you handle this? Well, ready or not, here it comes. New York Post. Pigeon wearing tiny sombrero has been spotted. This after Pigeon in Cowboy Hat dies. That's the breaking news right there. Pigeon spot. First off, think of all the angles. This is in the newspaper. This is the news. Imagine you're someone who has a dream of being a journalist. And you go to journalism school, you go to college, however you go about it, and you get your job and you think, all right, I'm going to be breaking... The big stories. And then you get tasked with tracking pigeons. How long do you think the original pigeon, the one wearing the tiny sombrero, was wearing that tiny sombrero before anyone even noticed? When I'm walking in the streets of Manhattan, I don't even meet eyes with people. Never mind pigeons. That pigeon could have been sitting right next to me. And I would never have noticed it was wearing a tiny sombrero. And now we have someone apparently at the post tracking what pigeons wearing his hats. Apparently there's some 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 psycho capturing pigeons and I don't know what. What would you glue it to their head? It they're flying around. I know they don't they fly very reluctantly. They don't try to fly at all. You can almost step on them and even with wings they will not move out of they'll walk out of your way. They won't fly out. They won't, like a normal bird, they'll walk out of your way like, ugh. Like they're so disgusted with even the thought of having to exert themselves in any way. So they have these hats on. They're not staying on on their own. It's not like a fitted hat. 
And you have to assume that this psycho, whoever he is, is also making hats for pigeons. This story has such depth. We might have to focus on this exclusively next Saturday. I don't have enough details right now. But there you go, people. The big news from the New York Post. Pigeon spotted wearing tiny sombrero. This might be a new Netflix show. This might be season four or season three of You. Joe Goldberg just finally loses it all together. And rather than capturing people and putting them in a glass box, he's now torturing pigeons. Now, I know you're going to do this at the end of the show, uh, Netflix and Chill. Yeah. But you did mention to me earlier this week, you started season one of You. I'm on season two. I've you're just on started season, season two. two. We've been breezing through it pretty quickly. And we don't have to stay up. We don't have to watch the fourth quarter of Nick games this week. So <laughs> we can, we can kind of burn through a couple of, couple of episodes pretty quick. Um, but. Now that you're on season two, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what you think about the narrative and how the plot changed. Um, you know, and I'm only two episodes in, so I've not really noticed any significant plot change outside of the fact that I feel like there is a, a hook to this season, a, a narrative change that they are going to make near the end, and I feel like I have figured that out already. Okay. So now, I'm not going to say what it is. I don't want to spoil it for the listeners, and uh, maybe next week I'll, I'll be through it completely. Now that you've said that, and me knowing how smart of a guy you are, I think you figured it out. Well, we'll see. And now by saying that, I feel like I ruined it. Well, I don't know. We'll see. I've already. If, if you're telling me that I might have figured it out, I, I, I think I probably already did. All right, let's get back to the calls, right? Let's get away from you and Joe Goldberg and the pigeons wearing tiny sombreros, as well as the ones wearing cowboy hats. One eight hundred nine one nine. That sentence has never been issued. No one has ever in the history of the world ever made that sentence before. I came up with that. I'm the only person who will ever in the history of civilization put those series of words together. And you got to hear it. Lucky you. All right. The football. We have the two title games coming up tomorrow. AFC, Chiefs and Titans. NFC, Niners and Packers. That was not probably the best segue. Pigeons wearing hats. Into football. Dave is much better at the segues than me. He comes on at 9. You can get him then. And my main takeaway, it was last week, it is this week, I'm really good with anybody but Tennessee. I'm good with a Super Bowl that is any of the four variations, as long as it's not. I didn't want to see the Texans there. Luckily for them, they're not going to be there. And I guess the Titans are a better story, but you really need to have it Chiefs against somebody. The problem with that is, and I brought this up last week, and I kind of feel like it's the same way this week. Last week, Andy Reid, for his legacy, which is substantial, he's won a boatload of games, he's been a great coach for a long time, but we all know he's never won a Super Bowl. He's won the most games without ever winning a Super Bowl, I believe. Or maybe it's getting to a Super Bowl twice, I'm not sure. He's won a bunch of games, he's never won a Super Bowl. So... The problem is, is that while I, I like Andy Reid, I root for Andy Reid, but I don't trust Andy Reid. And I don't trust him tomorrow either. And the problem is, not so much Tennessee, the problem I have is that all the stories surrounding the Chiefs have kind of taken last week and just made it out like that's the only week that has existed in the history of the season. Like the offense that you got last week after the first quarter is somehow now what you're going to see tomorrow. I don't know that to be the case because there's been plenty of times where Andy Reid has had this unbelievable offense and it has led to an unbelievable letdown with him coaching in the playoffs. I mean the the list 
of Andy Reid stink bombs in the playoffs is quite well documented, including, what was it, two years ago, three years ago, to the Titans, a Titans team that was not very good, a team that he had a 21-3 lead at at halftime and somehow, at home, lost the game 22-21. And if that had been the only playoff meltdown, you'd say, okay, fine, but all the stories coming in, Patrick Mahomes is on another level. The Chiefs' offense won't be able to be sl- even slowed down. And it's Andy Reid's time. And it feels like this week everybody is focusing on Andy Reid and how much you like him and how much, and, and they've forgotten all the other things. And I agree generally, right? Mahomes is unbelievable. And he is operating right now at a different level and has the potential to wind up his career at a different level. Now, he, I don't think he's ever going to have the resume of Brady. In terms of winning, that's going to be very hard to do. But given his talent, given the time that he finds himself playing in, where it's more offensive than ever before, and given his coach and how good he is at developing an offensive game plan, there's really nothing that Mahomes can't do. But Andy Reid had to win that game last week. And as great as he's been... He has to win tomorrow. For his legacy, which is, again, it's well documented. How good of a coach he has been, regular season, getting to his team to the playoffs every single year. After all the bad playoff losses, even last year. Last year, coming back against the Patriots the way they did and and taking a lead, I think it was with like two minutes to go, and then losing, again, at home in overtime. Andy Reid worries me in the playoffs. He worries me tomorrow. So everyone is, I'm sure, going to be betting Chiefs, Niners. It doesn't really feel like, maybe some people feel like the Packers can hold it close, but I'm sure that a lot of people are going to be on the heavy favorites tomorrow. And and even though people love Aaron Rodgers, uh, it doesn't seem like many people are expecting Green Bay to be there. It seems like everyone is just kind of expecting Andy Reid. And I have come to expect, when everyone is expecting Andy Reid, expect something else. I don't have a whole lot of confidence. I root for him. I'm rooting for him tomorrow. Well, we'll see. If I put a, I won't be rooting. <laughs> if I'm on seven, if I'm taking the seven and a half, I probably won't be rooting for him that hard. But I generally root for Andy Reid. I'd like to see him win a Super Bowl. I think he uh, he has the, the the career that deserves that. But he's got to go out there and get it. And there's no excuses. Again, you're at home. There's no more Patriots. You may be able to excuse the Patriots away. This is this year. He has to go out there. And I'm just not that confident that he will. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. And then, of course, you get the news uh, either last night or early this morning with the Giants hiring um, Jason Garrett to be their offensive coordinator. I think like most people, I really like the move. Now, I have no idea still what kind of head coach Joe Judge is going to be. Nobody does. But for someone who's making that large of a leap, I think the key clearly, put an experienced staff around him, and Garrett as the offensive coordinator works for me. He's worked with different quarterbacks. I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon, and I like that. I don't necessarily want to have a situation, especially with a young quarterback, where you're going out and getting maybe the hot name, and then he'll come in here, have some great success with the offense. Yeah, sure, but then he's going to be a head coach someplace else. Now, maybe Jason Garrett will become the hot name next year. He does have a a pretty substantial coached in the league for 10 years, has made the playoffs with the Cowboys in the past. So maybe next year people will be mentioning him as a possible head coach candidate. I think the only way that comes about, though, is if 
Daniel Jones plays really, really well. And coming from where he played this year, which I thought was pretty good. For a rookie, it was pretty good. If he can go out there now with the Jason Garrett and all of a sudden he takes some huge step forward next year, I wouldn't like losing Jason Garrett that quickly and then moving on to somebody else, but I'll take whatever the, the success is from the quarterback and move forward. 1-800-919-ESPN. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Coop is in Brooklyn. Coop. Yes, good morning, Gordon. How are you? I'm good, man. Well, first of all, I really didn't like the thing with, with Jason Garrett. I didn't want that. I'm, I'm a bona fide Giant fan, and, you know, we ain't never did nothing with the Giants, with the with Dallas. We never got a trade with them. We don't like Dallas, okay? All right. They, they are, well, who did you want then? Who did you want as the offensive coordinator? Do you have a name that you were like, I want that guy? Uh, really, no. All I really right, there don't. you go. They have we'll just leave the position to open, according to Coop. Right, that's true. That's true. Now, as far as – um. As far as the the game this weekend, yeah. Um, hey, Gordon, I think that uh, <laughs> you better take Kansas City and San Fran, buddy, because that's where we're going at. Well, look, I mean, it's I, I'm sure that that's I, I've just I've been burned, right? And like when you've been in love and you've lost, you, 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 your heart gets a little uh, jaded, a little hardened. And I just know when we get to this stage of the season, and you have two heavy favorites like this, everybody's going to be on the favors, especially after the way they performed last week. At two seconds, I was texting Ty Butler, producer extraordinaire, two, uh, two minutes into the Niner game. And as soon as that game started, I said, the Vikings have no chance of winning this game. And shortly after I said that, the Vikings scored a touchdown. And, of course, Ty loves when I'm wrong. Oh, see, Vikings scored a touchdown. Of course, that was their offensive contribution basically for the day. I didn't get any texts from Ty the rest of the day. I got as many texts from Ty as the Vikings had legitimate chances to win the game, which was zero. So the Vikings were uh, the Vikings had no chance. The Niners were super impressive. The defense was super impressive, and Garoppolo didn't look great at the beginning of that game. But look, they could run the ball. They didn't. Ha- he didn't have to do a whole lot. So everybody's going to be on the Niners. They're at home. They have this great defense, and everybody's going to be on the Chiefs because. <laughs> Of the performance they put up. And can, one thing. Can we... Now, I don't think he's a good head coach. I will grant you that. Can we stop... Now that we've had a little bit of time to digest it and move forward, can we stop blaming Bill O'Brien for what happened last week? I don't like the fake punt. I don't like going for the field goal. Those are decisions that I would not have made. The Chiefs scored touchdowns on seven straight possessions. The Chiefs, the people at Arrowhead ran out of fireworks because the Chiefs scored so many points. Bill O'Brien realized if we're going to win this game, we're going to have to score 50. Now, I will grant you, going for the field goal doesn't really line up with the same aggressive mindset as the fake punt. Those two, those two things are kind of opposed to each other, right? Like, if you realize you're going to have to score 50 and you have a fourth and one, well, then go for it. Diametrically opposed. Yes, diametrically opposed. I will grant you that. And I will grant you, I don't think that Bill O'Brien is a good head coach. But I don't look at that loss as being on Bill O'Brien. How about him after the game that was saying he didn't have a play he felt good about on fourth and one? Look, I'm not going to tell you that I think Bill O'Brien is a good head coach. If he were coaching my team, I would not be happy. All I'm saying is this idea that he fed momentum to the Chiefs. This momentum idea is is ridiculous. He had a 24 nothing lead. If there was such a thing as momentum, if it was tangible, if you could see it, if there was a 
a metric that could you could find that would show you, okay, this is how it works. He would have had all the moment. If if you believe in momentum, and yet it, it's 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 enough to lose momentum by going for a fake punt and not getting it. Well, then what does momentum really mean then? If that's all it takes, they have all the momentum. Well, we tried a fake punt and it didn't work. Oh, well, you lost all the momentum. Well, then what the hell was it anyway? It was nothing. It was a figment of your imagination. How do you not have a play drawn up for first? I don't one? know, Ty. Stop asking these questions. I told you. he's. I don't think he's a good head coach. But I don't look at him as the reason why they lost that game. You know what's the, the one? Chiefs scored. T- they got the ball. Seven they got a touchdown. <laughs> they got a, they got the ball. They got a touchdown. They got the kickoff. The ball popped right up in the air. Went touchdown. right to the guy's hands. The guy kind of didn't think he could advance it. Then he realized, oh yeah, I can advance it. This is not a punt. And he just started to everything they touched went right. They scored touchdowns on seven straight possessions. It wasn't about a fake punt, and it but, wasn't about momentum. But he's the coach of the defense too. Again, Ty, I don't think he's a good head coach. I would not like him if they, if you, whatever team you root for, if they announce Bill O'Brien's going to be your new head coach, I would not feel good about that. I'm just saying I don't look at last week as being on him. There's plenty of playoff games where I look at Bill O'Brien, I say, this is on you. Yesterday was not, uh, last week was not one of them. All right. 1-800-919-ESPN. Should I take a break here? Yes. 1-800-919-ESPN. Coming up, we'll get more of your phone calls. And, oh my God, we have not even touched on the week that Odell has had. And who knows? It's 819. If today is anything like it was Monday night, who knows what things he has gotten into himself already today. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Odell, let's just touch on that quickly and we'll move on. Two things that there were not really wheelhouse today. Wheelhouse today was obviously the, the title games, and we'll get to that at 1-800-919-ESPN, and obviously everything with the Astros and the Mets and Beltron and all those things. The two non-necessarily wheelhouse, I'm not going to spend that much time on, but did want to touch on it. Odell's performance at the uh, national championship game on Monday, and then Kyrie Irving's comments from this week. First off, criticizing the players on the team well, he hasn't really played all that much. It sits, it sits out two months and then comes out, was it yesterday, and said, if you're not in that locker room, don't talk about us. Well, I will follow his wishes. Since it's the Brooklyn Nets and I don't really care, I won't talk about you. So that that's wrapped up there. Secondly, Odell. And let's just kind of recap, because it feels like even though the, ta- the title game happened on Monday, there's new video popping up all the time about this guy's day. And I will admit to you, if it comes out, in a week from now, Netflix has a new prank show, and it's centered around Odell Beckham Jr. going out and doing ridiculous things. That would make more sense than what we actually witness. And just of the, the videos and the performances that we know of, right, he's paying players money at the basically on the field, at the 50-yard line, surrounded by people and cameras and video and everything else. And when that first popped up, people said, no, it wasn't real money, as if he would be walking around with Monopoly money, which sounds ridiculous. But considering it's Odell and he just loves to get attention, I couldn't – you can't rule it out. Nothing, you can't rule anything out with this guy. So, But it turns out Joe Burrow says, no, it was real money. So now the, 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 the school is probably going to find out something about that at some point. So all right, see, paying players, first off, there's video of him. Coach O is talking in the locker room, and he's interrupting the speech, basically. You have the video of him in the stands 
is it the the marching the marching band grabbing the bullhorn from the guy and just scr- I don't even know what he was talking. I don't. It's it's like he's talking another language. I don't know what he was talking about. Is anybody could anybody decipher what he's talking about? It's it's on video. I hear him speaking words. I don't even know what the words are. Then there's video of him. I guess after the game, like. Trying to back down Carl Malone on the field. <laughs> Carl Malone's got to be thinking to himself, what the hell is going on here? Carl, I feel you. I understand. And then, obviously, the most significant one is in the locker room after the game, slapping the security guard on the butt. Now, the first four are largely harmless, they're bizarre. They're an indication that this guy is just desperate for attention, and it is exhausting. I mean, oh, my God, dude, go talk to somebody. that You need this much attention focused on you, and it's almost like the Frank Cashin line. The guys who celebrate the most are the ones who did the least. Is that is that English? Is he is he bilingual? Can he speak another language? Let's play that again. What language is that? Actual words. Chalk it up out your neck. Is that what he said? Chalk it up out your neck. Is that does that mean anything to you? Ty, anything? No. I've got nothing, buddy. All right. Back to the security guard. So those first four, I think you can. Whatever, right? I guess they're largely harmless, although I'm not sure if the NCAA necessarily agrees by paying players. And I have no problem with that. Just don't do it in front of cameras. Like if you're going to commit an infraction, I don't know, do it like everybody else in the locker room after the game, behind closed doors, away from prying eyes. I have no problem with the players getting paid. They should get something. Don't know necessarily you got to do it right there. I was waiting for him to start cutting a check, break out his checkbook. Can I Venmo you 10000 Do that. Do Venmo. That's a good Venmo ad. Hey, when you're oh, – that's get that ready for the Super Bowl. When you're Odell and you want to pay the LSU players, use Venmo. Bang. Perfect. That's idea. actually genius. It is a good idea. I come up with them every once in a while. Now, that's going to be me until August, Kyrie, but I digress. The slapping of the security guard. Now, at first, I thought it was a police officer. It turns out it's a security guard. It doesn't really matter. How can anybody defend what he did? And you saw people, oh, is that all he did? Are you serious? I have friends who are police officers. I don't think I have anybody – I know anybody who's a, a security guard. But the, the, the rule kind of still applies. If I know that person and they're in uniform, I still wouldn't do that. They're working their job. And he doesn't know him. And he's doing that. That it, it really it, I don't know how anybody and I have been someone in the past while he was with the Giants. I would defend Odell for a good amount of things that happened because I didn't feel like they were as bad as people made them out to be. But at some point there becomes a tipping point like right like you just keep adding things to the scale and things to the scale. And it's more so than anything else. It's just annoying. Like I'm just sick about hearing about it. But that one, I think he does deserve, I don't know what the punishment is, but that's, that, that, I don't know how anybody can defend that. And yet you see people trying to come out and defend it. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776.
You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Let's go back to the falls. Let's see here. As, uh, Michael is oh, yeah. Michael, what's going on, my man? Hold on. Yes, how are you, sir? I'm good. First time, long time. All right. Um, I, I, I wanted to talk about that, uh, baseball, but I don't know if you're past that topic yet, are you? No, you can talk about whatever you want, Michael. Okay. Um, um, sports related. Let's not go off on um, a tangent. Yes, no, of That's course. Yes. Um, I thought of, I have a different spin on the Major League Baseball so-called scandal. Okay, what, would it, what it, would it be? Well, I think it's hypocritical for Major League Baseball to even find them or, or do anything <laughs> in light of the fact that Major League Baseball has cheated themselves. Um, the live baseballs, changing yeah. the rules on the fly, uh-huh. even last year, uh, they, they uh, created a situation where the they made the baseball such where you can hit more home runs. Then they switched it back when the playoffs started. Now, that's cheating. All right. Well, look, Michael, uh, it's a little bit of a different topic. And if you want to be upset about that, that's okay. That doesn't really come into what this is. Like, yes, Major League Baseball has to answer to that, and we'll see what the baseballs look like this year and whether or not they're going to be back to the old baseballs or whatnot. But when, when Major League Baseball, whose job it is to enforce the rules, comes out and says, hey, Major League teams, don't do this. And even the same week that Major League Baseball punishes a team, not straight, not harshly, but still punishes a team, tells all the teams, look, next time anybody does this, it's going to be big, big news and big, big punishments. And then a team continues to do that, even in the week where Major League Baseball puts out the, the referendum or the memo or whatever you want to call it. That's a problem. That's a problem. So, no, the Astros uh, deserved punishment. My only problem is it was not uh, strict enough. Again, as we brought up in the in the open, if it's such strict punishment, why are the Astros still seen as the second favorite, according to Vegas this year, to win the World Series? Can't be that strict a punishment. Let's go out to Cal in Stanford. Cal. Hey, what's going on? I just want to talk about Jason Garrett, new offensive coordinator, New York Giants. Sure. Just want to say it's a. I think it's a great move. I think some of the obvious things are, you know, you see how he had Zeke in Dallas. We have an elite running back here in in New York. We hope he can utilize similar fashion. Uh, you see what he did with Dak. How he had Dak outplay his draft slot by a mile. Whether you think Dak's a franchise guy or not, but the main thing that I think the New York Giants can benefit from is he was there in the draft room. Whether he had a hand in it and and, and, and scouted the guys himself or not. He was at the very least in the draft room when they drafted an all-pro tackle, an all-pro center, and an all-pro guard. The New York Giants, we need an offensive line. Ten years now, offensive line has been terrible. We need a change, and hopefully Garrett can help with that. Well, look, I mean, uh, there's a lot of areas that you, I think you like the Jason Garrett move, especially when you think about the fact that Joe Judge has never been a head coach before. You want somebody with experience as somebody has a track record of success calling plays, and I think Jason Garrett has that. So I think – and I, just in terms of what the uh, the personality match, it feels right. It feels like a, a good mesh of what the Giants want to be, what Jason Garrett his offense generally looks like, what the skill personnel is with the Giants. So it just seems to make sense. We'll see how it works out. And I agree with you that uh, in terms of offensive, you know, it's funny. It's still very early. And mock drafts, once you get past one and two, generally are incorrect. But it's amazing to me the amount of mock drafts that have the Giants selecting something other than offensive line. Like for all the talk about Dave Gettleman and the hog mollies and his inability to actually get, it's, I guess it's better, but it's still not good. 
improve that offensive line. It feels like anybody mocking anything to the Giants outside of an offensive lineman, maybe I'll feel differently when we get closer to the draft, but right now it feels like that would be one of the areas. Sure, defense is important too, but his importance on offensive line, the Giants' need for offensive line, where they're picking in the draft this year, it just feels like that would be the position that they might go with first. Let's go out to Aaron in Jersey. Aaron, what's up, man? Good morning, Gordon. How are you? I'll try to be less long-winded this week. That's all right. we got some time. Go ahead. Thanks for getting back at me on Twitter. I appreciate it, acknowledging that New England win. uh, And, uh, you know, pretty much my mentality changed after that Baltimore game this week. After they beat them, I flipped from everything after beating the Patriots is gravy to I honestly think that they can win the Super Bowl. (laughs) And I'm telling you right now, these teams are making the biggest mistake of giving us bulletin board material every week, like Earl Thomas did last week. And this week, Tyreek Hill came out and said he thinks the Chiefs' offense is unstoppable. Well, I'm going to give you a reality check here, Tyreek Hill. The Titans' defense is a lot better than the Texans' defense. And you can tell by all those fourth and one stops we had on Lamar. The whole difference this week is going to be the game plan is going to have to flip. It's not going to be a run-first game. Obviously, the Chiefs are an explosive passing offense, and Travis Kelsey and the Kevin Byard-Kenny Vaccaro matchup is going to be a big thing to watch if our safeties can handle Travis Kelsey. If you remember in the game from two years ago, the Titans knocked out Travis Kelsey in the first quarter, and that's how yep. they were able to get their comeback. Yep. So I really think handling him is going to be a big piece of it. But honestly, the game plan is going to be similarly sim- similar for us on offense. It's going to be about clock control. It's going to be about Derrick Henry handling that ball and that play-action pass coming at the right time. But I'm telling you, you can take the points if you want. Don't count out the Titans. I honest to God believe that they can win this game and they can make the Super Bowl. Well, Aaron, look, you're a fan. So the funny thing to me is that you were thinking, you went into it saying, hey, you know what, just beat the Patriots. And then as soon as that happens, you're thinking to yourself, we're winning the Super Bowl this year. That is very reminiscent of how I felt about my teams in the past, right? You go in with one mindset and then as soon as one thing changes, you're like, this is the year. It's all lining up. And you're one of the last four teams left. So who am I to say? Who is anybody to say? No, I think you could. There is a uh, a path to victory, a road to victory in any of these matchups that the Titans, if they play anything close to what they played here the last two weeks, maybe not the Patriots game, because I do think that the offensive uh, output that game was a little overblown by the performance of Derrick Henry. Like, they only scored 14 points on offense in that game. Last week, I think, is the better barometer. Now, it's going to be a different game. I don't think Mahomes, while he can make plays with his legs, it's not going to be as much of a factor. And whether or not you're able to slow down that offense with all the different areas that they have, I think that is going to be tough. But it does come back to whether or not they can run the ball effectively. You do have to get more out of Ryan Tannehill, although I said that last week and he didn't get anything more out of Ryan Tannehill. But I do think that you're going to have to play a very similar game. But you are going to have to make more plays in the passing game. I don't think that you can win this game by scoring 17 points or 20 points. I do think you're going to have to be probably into the 30s and just to kind of keep up with what the Chiefs are going to be able to do. But the one factor, it's tough to gauge, and it's tough to gauge after last week with as explosive as they were. Andy Reid in these spots sometimes, even when they get a big lead, it can't be trusted. So we'll see if that's the the case uh, tomorrow. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number coming up. We'll get more of your phone calls. Also, net picks and chill pick for this week. I thought I was going with one thing, and then something else popped up on my uh, radar this week, and I'm going with that. So we'll uh, get into that. And it is not the uh, show on Netflix that uh, Ty loves, that uh, Gossip Girl rip off you. It's a chick show. Come on. You know that's a girl. Come on.
You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. So net picks and chill pick for this week. I'm making my way through the uh, television show You on Netflix, which uh, Ty has recommended and which uh, he talked talked up the second season and already through two episodes. I'm pretty confident. I would be willing to go on the old FanDuel app and bet that I have figured out what this big plot twist is going to be, but they don't offer that on FanDuel as so far as I know. It's a great app, but I have not seen any odds on you on the app yet, so uh, I'll have to keep checking on that. Is there a way that you can talk through it without ruining it? Like, in other words, in code. I'll keep it to myself. I am, I, as I said, I'm two episodes through. My wife knows what I think the plot twist is going to be. So if it turns out to be correct, I will relay that to you probably by episode four. Four is usually a good area of always judging a TV show. If you go into a TV show, you have to always watch more than one episode. You got to get a feel for the landscape. So I will, I will tell you by the time I hit episode four if it's right or if I was wrong. Sure. How Do you love that? love? Do I love love? No, not really. What the character love or the character? The, yeah, not real. I'm two episodes in. It's still I'm still getting my bearings. Okay. It's not. It. Let's put it this way. It's never going to be a show that I am crazy about. I, I'm well, because it because, because a lot pro- of people are into it. The, the problem is what you're women. what you're doing is you're going to sit there yeah. and, and people judge are, it. People ju- are watching it with their girlfriends because it's bearable, considering sometimes what they ask us to watch. It's not terrible in that regard. You're judging it's it better, up against it's the least dirty shirt. Breaking Bad, which is the greatest show of all time. How so you much? come in with Do the you criteria. Want me to judge it against that's terrible unfair. shows? It's unfair. No, I'm just I'm judging it based on what it is. And if it's something that I can't wait to watch, I will say it's a good watch. If it's not a if it, if I if I had other options and I did have some other options this week and watch those things, well, even if I don't want to admit it, it clearly can't be that an amazing a show. Like if it was an amazing show, I usually watch it with my wife. But if it would, if it was an amazing show, I'd probably be sneaking a couple of episodes while I'm at, uh, you know, coming home from work or eating breakfast or whatnot. So in other words, this isn't exactly keeping you up at night. Where no. you, you kind of play that game of oh, all I need is three hours of sleep. No, ah, I can get away all. with two hours and not 45 at, minutes. Not at all. So the thing that I, w- I went into this week saying, okay, this is going to be a Netflix and chill pick. Clearly saw the preview. Can't wait to watch it. Highly anticipated. The documentary about Aaron Hernandez on Netflix. It's made by the people who made uh, Making a Murderer, which was talk about compelling watch, talk about burning through episodes, binge watch. That was clearly that. I'll be honest with you. I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm not saying that it it wasn't well done. It wasn't well researched. They had some interesting angles that maybe I didn't think about before. But I'll be honest. It, it kind of feels like... It's all material that we kind of known before. And I like the fact that they're not saying, hey, this is the reason why this happened. They're kind of laying it out and allowing you to make up your own mind. But it doesn't really – I'm into it. It's a, a fascinating topic, clearly. But it's not one that I thought to myself, wow, I've been blown away. And I went into it. Maybe I went into it with just too high expectations. And it's been good. I've enjoyed watching it. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm pretty close. And, you know, spoiler alert, I know how it ends. So um, it just hasn't it, – it wasn't the home run that I thought it was going to be. Do you feel like you've learned a lot about the story? I did learn some things. You know, the one aspect of the story – and again, not to give anything away, but he was a very – the one thing that they really hammered that I didn't maybe uh, associate as well when the story was going on was he was a huge marijuana user. Like – chain-smoking marijuana, and I'm assuming he was chain-smoking 
high degrees of marijuana. And they talk about the level of paranoia that he had. I don't feel like that aspect – it does in the documentary. Maybe not even to the extent that maybe it should. But maybe that aspect of the story probably should have been investigated more than some of the other ones that you hear about that are more salacious. But not necessarily – I don't really feel like they had an impact. And at the end of the day, maybe sometimes – like it feels like the documentary and it feels like a lot of the stories are always an indictment of football. Maybe he was just a bad egg, dude. Maybe Maybe it was on him. Right. Like maybe it wasn't CTE, although he had CTE. Maybe it wasn't all these other factors that they're lining up and saying it was this. It was that all. It wasn't a perfect storm. Maybe part of the perfect storm was he was just a bad dude. Isn't that possible? So that was not my net picks and chill pick for this week. My net picks and chill pick for this week. New show on HBO called The Outsider. Jason Bateman, the brother from uh, what's that show? Bloodline. I've only seen two episodes, and again, I'll tell you always, you have to see four. There's ten episodes in the season, but they're airing on HBO, so they've only aired two so far. I'm telling you right now, you will turn on that show, and the two episodes, you will be begging to watch the third episode because it's so compelling. And so Now, the only caveat I will say is I don't know how it's going. I don't really know what the direction of the show is per, per se right now, and it is Stephen King, so I feel like great openings, sometimes not always great closings. But so far through two episodes, oh my goodness, talk about sitting there with your mouth open. The Outsider, it airs on Sunday nights on HBO, but you can, if you have, you know, the app or whatnot, you can probably uh, preview a couple of the episodes beforehand. So are you going to give that a try, Ty, you think? The Outsider, Jason Bateman? I've heard about it, so I do think I'll, I'll give it a try. All right. I finished you last week, I believe. I've mm-hmm. uh, still got a couple of other shows I got to get to, but... I think The Outsider is one I'll, I'll eventually get around to. Aaron think, Hernandez as well. I've seen documentaries on him before. Yeah. So I just don't it, know how it, different necess- this one is. Yeah, it, it didn't really hit on anything all that different. The amount of research and the interviews that they had, they are good. And the amount of video they have are good. But it, I just for something that I thought going in, I'm going to be like all in on this. I don't know. I kept waiting for that big moment where it kind of blew me away. It never blew me away. How long to the movie? I don't know. After this, I think we're good. I think we're good for a while. I don't need any more Steve Jobs movies, and I don't need any more uh, Aaron Hernandez. Let's put that Astro scandal on Netflix. Right. A lot of casting that needs to be done there. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN.